Welcome to the podcast for We Hope Glasgow. We're so glad that you're taking the time to listen to this message from Sunday. May it be a blessing to you today. First of all, before I say anything, I'm not, whatever I'm talking about today, some of you are like, this is going to be the next series. I am not committing to anything. I, I, this is just something I wanted to talk about today. If I talk about the same person a couple times, it doesn't mean we're in a series. I, I'm just, this has just been what's on my heart these days. So, hey, hey, uh, if this is an unofficial beginning of some unofficial series, it may or may not be no commitment, no accountability. But anyways, that's, that's where we're going today. Um, I want to talk about my, my mom, first of all. Um, just, just briefly, she, she's been having a, a bit of a rough year, actually a, a pretty rough year. She moved back to Seattle this year to care for both of her parents, which, which have been in their 90s. And so she's been living there and, and caring for them. And during this last year, my, my uh, grandfather uh, passed away in, in December. And so, you know, that painful for me, definitely, but so much more for my mom, who, who was there and, and caring uh, for him in those, those last months. Well, uh, this week I got the call on Wednesday that my grandmother is now in a coma, and this is, you know, we're talking hours and days, uh, not very long, and, you know, just, I mean, painful for me, definitely, but just so much more for my mom who's there, and it's her parents in a a pretty short period of time, like less than six months or so. Um, I'm really proud of my mom this year. I'm proud of her. She's, she's had a really rough go. I mean, not just this year. She hasn't just had a rough go this year. She's had a rough go for, for a couple decades. And, uh, but yeah, I'm really, I'm really proud of the decision she's made this year to, to, to quit her job in New Mexico and move to Seattle and, and care for her parents. Now, <clears throat> I love my mom. I love my mom. Um, but, but, you know, we, ha- we all have moms. I mean, Biologically, you, we have moms. And, uh, and, and some of you have moms kind of like mine who, who have been a little maybe inconsistent um, over the years, maybe unpredictable, maybe unpredictable. And, and to, to say that about my mom is a, is a bit of an understatement. Uh, it's a bit of an understatement. Again, she's so great right now, and she's been great over the last several years here. But historically speaking, um, there's been a couple decades where uh, my mom, she's, she's definitely the type where you don't know what to expect. You don't know what's about to come out of her mouth in, in any given moment. And, and, you know, if you have an unpredictable parent, uh, you maybe, maybe a parent who doesn't have the same filter that you would appreciate, uh, especially a, a filter connected to stories that might come out of her mouth. If you have a parent like that where you're not really sure what's about to happen when they start talking, then you might understand the intense anxiety I felt about a decade ago when my mom visited. Uh, and she, she came to, to the church for the first time. And, and again, I, I had this moment of near panic and terror, just feeling like everything is about to come to an end. It, it was a great run with Rehope. But uh, it's about to come to an end. And, and basically, again, I want to reaffirm I love my mom. And she's doing great right now. She's in a, she's, she's in a better place than she was 10 years ago. But, but I didn't know what was about to come to her mouth. And so she came to church uh, with my family and, and all of us. And I was standing in the back of the room. And you can just picture my dread, my, sh- my, my, my uh, terror when it came to share time. And sure enough, against everything I ever wanted to happen, 
Anybody have anything they want to share? Boom. Her hand goes so high, so fast. And I'm like, oh, no. And I went through all the symptoms. Terror, fight or flight, uh, adrenaline going through. And I'm like, there's, there's, this is the end. This is the end of anything. And so inside, I, I'm like, okay, this could be the most embarrassing. Mo- I, have, I have no idea what's going to happen right now with my mom. And, and again, some of you understand because you, you, you would have been feeling the same way. And maybe your mom has shared here and you felt the same way. Um, but she, she, I remember it just went in slow motion, the mic being handed to her. And I'm in the back being like, no. And, and she, she stands up, and, and I'm, I'm pretty sure at this point I'm not breathing, right? I'm not breathing. And then she shared this story. She started off with the words, I'm, I'm so proud of my son. I'm so proud of my son. When he was just a baby, oh, no. Oh, no. Hey, this could be a lot of stories. I have no idea what's going to happen here. When he was just a baby and, and I was holding him in my arms and I was rocking him while he slept, God spoke to me. And God said to me, you can hold on to him for now, but the day is going to come where you're going to have to let him go because I'm going to send him far away. I'm going to send him far away. And so you can hold him now, but you have to... You have to be prepared to re- let him go someday. And, and I, that, st- that surprised me when she's sharing that. In church. I, I didn't know that story. I wasn't, I wasn't familiar with that story. But it sure reminds me of the words in Jeremiah chapter 1. In Jeremiah chapter 1 verse 5 where God says to a young Jeremiah, he says, I chose you before I formed you in the womb. He says, I, I chose you before I formed you in the womb. I set you apart before you were born. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. Now, when I read these words, they ring like surprisingly true for me, especially having heard that story from my mom. But actually, I want you to know that this is, these words are surprisingly true for everyone who has given their lives to Jesus. Not just Jeremiah, not just me. Apparently, according to my, my, my mother... <clears throat> God, from, from birth, or really from before I was born, declared that he'd set me apart to, 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 to live and minister a long ways away, apparently to Scotland. And, and he was speaking about it even when I was a baby. I didn't know that story when I was 14. When I was 14 years old and, and, and God spoke to me about the future again, very much like this Jeremiah moment. And <clears throat> I share this story all the time because it's one of the pivotal moments in my life and it's part of the story of this church. <clears throat> but I'm 14 years old. I'm sitting in this small church in the suburb, north suburb of Seattle where I grew up. And, I, and, and I'm there and I'm co-teaching a fourth and fifth grade boys Sunday school class. And I remember sitting there and, and I was on the... Al, uh, not alley, aisle. Uh, I was at the aisle, and the boys were off to the left here, and they're boys, so they're probably squirreling. And, and I remember it was a group time with, with our church, and, and I was going to be, we were going to be praying for Phil and Maggie Edwards, some missionaries. We we're going to pray for missionaries. And so I, it was time to pray, and, and I put my head down, and I turned it this way to look down the road to make sure that they were at least somewhat behaving and sitting still. And they were. And so I, shock of shocks. And so I, I put my head back down to the middle. And I, in that moment, I heard God say, you are going to be a missionary someday. Completely loud. Now, I didn't grow up in a church where that was part of our, our, our teaching. or our, I, I, It was way out of my box. 
But I knew that God spoke to me in that moment, and he, and he said, you are going to be a missionary someday, and I've based the entirety of my life on that two-second moment. That two-second moment. Now, I can't read Jeremiah chapter 1 without this strong resonance, without this wrong, strong resonance with God's calling to Jeremiah. And so let me again read the first five verses of, of, Jer- of the book of Jeremiah and, and talk about, like, what's going on here. This is, this is how Jeremiah, the book of Jeremiah begins. It says, <clears throat> The words of Jeremiah, the son of Hilkiah, one of the priests living in Ananoth in the territory of Benjamin. The word of the Lord, or the word of Yahweh, came to him in the 13th year of the reign of Josiah, son of Ammon, king of Judah. It also came throughout the days of Jehoiakim, son of Josiah, king of Judah, until the fifth month of the 11th year of Zedekiah, son of Josiah, king of Judah, when the people of Jerusalem went into exile. The word of the Lord came to me, or the word of Yahweh came to me. I chose you before I formed you in the womb. I set you apart before you were born. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. God's God's calling to to Jeremiah, those three statements. I chose you before I formed you. I chose you. I, I set you apart before you were born. I appointed you. Chosen, set apart, appointed. Chosen, set apart, appointed. <clears throat> now maybe you're sitting here listening and thinking, wow, what a special calling Jeremiah has. Wouldn't it, wouldn't it be great to have a moment like that, so unique that, that God would speak to him and, and, and say this, that he would be set apart before he was even born for this, this great purpose and the great task. And, you know, Brian, that's, that's kind of cool, creepy something uh, about your experience with, with God, uh, special and unique and maybe you're thinking that way, but what I want to communicate to you is that this isn't unique at all, what Jeremiah is experiencing. It's not unique at all, what, what, what I've experienced. We see this all through the Bible, one way or another, and, and we see it in the New Testament that it's true for all of us. We're chosen, we're set apart, we're appointed. Um, when you think it through the Old Testament, you're looking at Abraham, again, chosen, set apart, appointed. You're, you're looking at Moses, you're looking at all the judges, you're looking at all, uh, the, all the prophets, you're looking at, you know, uh, Saul and David and Saul and all these, these people throughout the Bible, chosen, set apart, uh, appointed. And then, and then in the New Testament, you see that it's also true for everyone who's given their lives to Jesus. For everyone who believes in Jesus. And you hear these words in Ephesians chapter 1. In Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3, you, you see this. You see this. Praise the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavens. For, because, for, He chose us in Him, in Jesus, before the foundation of the world. I'm just going to read that again. He chose us in him before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us to be adopted through Jesus Christ for himself according to his favor and will. You've been chosen. You've been chosen before you were born. You, you've been chosen before, you were, before the world was formed. You were chosen. You were set apart. 
You were set apart. And now as a believer, you've been appointed to, to go out, to go out with the message of Jesus and to, to bear much fruit, much fruit for him. It's, it's not just Paul who writes this, though, about all believers. This isn't just like, oh, maybe this is a Paul thing, although that would be very clear and, and, and good enough. John, the apostle John, also writes the same thing and the same kind of thing, and he writes this in the book of Revelation. And in the book of Revelation, in chapter 18, verse 8, we, we, we read this about true believers, those who have given their lives to Jesus. We see that everyone whose name was not written from the foundation of the world... In the book of life of the Lamb who was slaughtered. Okay, and it's going to talk about judgment for those who were not named from the foundation of the world. But the, the converse being, being, very, being the statement that we want to hold on to, this idea of that if you've given your life to Jesus, your name wasn't written the day you prayed a prayer. It was written from the foundation of the world in the book of life. And I just think that concept is... is is an incredible concept that before the foundations of the world were set in place, before the words, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, before those, that moment, there was a book. And in that book was my name. And if you've given your life to Jesus, before those words was a book. And in that book was your name, written in the Lamb's book before the foundation of the world. He picked you. He picked you. He knew you by name. He knew you by name before he ever made the world. He chose you. He set you apart for salvation, to be holy and blameless in his sight, to be an ambassador of the message of Jesus to your generation. And he wrote your name down in his... That's, it's just an incredible thought to me. This is core identity stuff. This, this is core identity stuff. Who are you? Are you significant? Are you significant? Are you, are you known? Are you known? Are you eternally special and set apart from the beginning of time? You're not going to get very far in understanding who you are. You're not going to get very far in understanding your identity if you're trying to figure out who you are by thinking about you. You're going to get stuck. You're going to get stuck when, you, when you're thinking. In fact, one of the reasons why so many people live in confusion and uncertainty and fear based on what does God really think about me and am I really loved, am I really valued, am I really cared about, and am I really cherished, and am I really forgiven, and am I really safe, and all that fear and stuff is not because they're looking at God, but because they're looking at them. And when you're trying to figure out who you are by looking at you, it doesn't work. It breaks down because you know you and you know the, the flaws, you know the mistakes, you know the wrestles, you know the struggles, you know the collapses, you know the, 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 the breakdowns. If you try and start understanding your connection with God and who you are by looking at you, you're never going to get it. You're never going to understand why he loves you like he does. You're never going to understand why he forgives you as wholeheartedly and enthusiastically and easily and joyfully as he does. He forgives you joyfully, not reluctantly. You're definitely not going to understand how certain your salvation is 
if you start by looking at you and your behavior and your today. You need to start by looking at God. You need to start by looking at God. And when you look at your connection through the eyes of God, and you, you see that you were chosen before you did anything, good or bad. Before, before Adam and Eve, before the foundation of the world, you were chosen. That, that God's selection of you, his setting you apart is based on his choosing, not your behavior. Looking at your behavior, I can understand why all of us would freak out, but, but, but you got to look at God. He, he chose you. He, he set you apart. He appointed you for a salvation for his kingdom before you did anything good or bad because it doesn't depend on you. It depends on him. It depends on his work. His choosing, His love, His great mercy. I, I was thinking today um, during, during pre-service prayer of, okay, Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, Nehemiah, Habakkuk, Zephaniah, hey, yeah, Zechariah, the book of Zechariah. Uh, Zechariah, and where, where God sees, where you see this imagery, image in heaven of the high priest Joshua, his name, not Joshua, but Josh, Josh, other, other Joshua. High priest Joshua. And, and there's, this, there's a scene in heaven where Joshua, the high priest, is clothed in filthy rags. And, and he's, in, he's there in heaven, and there's the accuser accusing. And, and that's probably where a lot of you maybe view yourself, whether you're thinking about it exactly that way or not. But, like, I'm just, I'm filthy rags standing before God. But God in that picture commands clothes change. And, and the, the filthy rags are de dealt with. And he's given clean clothes. And, and God just intervenes in that moment. And he makes it right. He makes it right. And that's, that's part of this, this God choosing before the foundation of the world. No matter how you feel like you're showing up, he makes it right. It's him. He makes it right. He makes you clean. And, and he decided to do that before, before you were even born. Before you were even born. I hope some of you can relax a little bit. Relax. Before the words, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Your name was written in the Lamb's book of life. It's comforting thoughts. It's, 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 it's mind-blowing it's mind thoughts. So Jeremiah was chosen. He was chosen before the foundation of the world. And then he was called. Then he was called. In, and, and this calling moment, this calling moment is, isn't really about anything different other than Jeremiah is now let in on what God had already known and, and established uh, before the foundation of the world. When you're, when you're called, it's just like God's just letting you know what's already, what's, what he's already decided uh, long before, what you've already been made for, what you've already been appointed for. You just kind of get cued in at that moment. When I was 14, um, nothing changed, although I, I got a, a glimpse into what God had for my future, and he just let me in. Uh, it wasn't when he decided anything. It's just when, when God spoke to me. Now, now, some of you have experienced a word calling like I have, where God's spoken to you about what he wants from you, whether, whether he spoke to you like in, in your mind or maybe he spoke to you through someone or into your heart or whatever, and you, you knew it was God, and, and you just knew that, and, and, and God spoke to you that way. Others of you uh, have experienced a, a, uh, a calling by God via a God-given passion. A God-given passion or gifting where God has put something in your heart and, and, and it resonates with your spirit. And you just know, and you just know in your know that, that this is what God has made you for. That he's, he's set you apart for this. That he's, he's made, you, made you for this. And an example of that might be Nehemiah. 
Nehemiah, but where he just knows that this is what God's, that, that passion rises up in him and, and that's what God's set him apart for. Um, others of you may have been called by an opportunity, an opportunity, God opened a door and you thought, okay, this is it. This is it. This is what God has made me for. And maybe you can see examples of that, maybe in Esther or Ezra or things like that. But, but some of you might be waiting and, and you're still waiting and, and you're like, God, what, what have you set me apart for? What, what, what is your plans and purposes for me? What, what is it that you want? And, and, and the good news is, is that, that God's already set you apart for stuff. He's already set you apart for stuff, special stuff, things just for you. And as you wait, you can just know that it's coming and, and you can prepare. You can prepare for it. Uh, and and you, can, you can be ready then in that moment where God says, here it is. Here's what I have for you. Here's, here's, here's what I have. And, and then you can say, yeah, I'm ready. I, let, let's do this. But usually, don't, uh, usually people don't feel ready when God calls. Usually don't, people don't feel ready when God taps them on the shoulder and says, okay, it's time. I didn't feel ready and I wasn't at age 14. Jeremiah doesn't feel ready here. Um, Moses at age 80 doesn't feel ready. Doesn't feel ready when God appears to him. Uh, so yeah, Jeremiah doesn't feel ready. And this is what we read. It, it, so God says that to Jeremiah. I, I chose you. I set you apart. I appointed you. But, verse 6, I protested. Oh no, Lord, God. I don't know how to say that right. <laughs> but I protested. Oh no, Lord, God. Which is, which is God's name, Yahweh, G, capital G, capital O, capital D. Oh, oh, oh no, Lord, Yahweh, look. I don't know how to speak since I'm, I'm only a youth. I, I don't know how, I don't know how to speak. This, I, this oh no, this, this I protested, it, it reminds me of Moses. It reminds me of Moses in, in Exodus chapter 3. Often when, when God calls us, our, our, we would assume our answer is going to be finally, yay, I, I'm so glad, let's go. But usually there's a bit of self-doubt there. Because usually what God calls us to feels like a stretch. Maybe it doesn't feel like something that we can do. And in Jeremiah's case, I'm too young. I don't know how to speak. Moses, I don't know how to speak. Maybe he's feeling a little bit like out of the loop after 40 years. Um, maybe self-doubt, definitely self-doubt there for Moses for sure. Peter, Peter, when he's called, doesn't he say, like, get away from me, Lord, for I'm a sinful man. And Peter's called. When God calls you by name and he says, follow me, or he says, this is what I have for you, this is what I've appointed for you, if you look at you, you're probably going to be full of, of doubts. Now, I'm not thinking of anybody in particular. But if you're looking at you, you're probably going to be full of doubt and dread maybe because of sin like Peter. He's like, oh, oh no. Oh, no. Or, like, or maybe age, like Jeremiah. I, I, I'm too young. I'm not ready. Or maybe self-doubt, like, like Moses. I, I, I can't do this. I'm, I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not able to do this. If, it, if you look at you, the, the answer to God's call is probably going to be, oh, no. Or I don't think I can do that. And so I want to say very clearly, God chose you. And, and God set you apart. And, and God appointed you to work with him, not alone for him. Now, if you grasp that thought, it's life-changing. God chose you. God, God set you apart, and he appointed you to work 
with him, not alone for him. You're not called to work on your own for God, but to work with God, with his gifts, with his help, with his power, with his miraculous interventions. And that's basically what God says to Jeremiah. And that's basically what God says to Moses. It's basically what he says to, to all the people that he calls throughout the ages. It's not about you, it's about me. And, and that's basically what we read in the next couple verses. I don't know how to speak since I'm only a youth. Verse 7, then Yahweh said to me, or then the Lord said to me, do not say I am only a youth, for you will go to everyone I send you to and speak whatever I tell you. Do not be afraid of anyone, for I will be with you to deliver you. This is Yahweh's declaration. Okay, so, so the premise about your life, as seen in the Bible, is you've been chosen. You've been chosen, you've been set apart. You've been anointed, or you've been appointed from before the foundation of the world. God's picked you, and at some point... He, he's going he's gonna to call you into some task or some mission or, or, or maybe several things. The things that he's, he saved you and he's picked you and he's set you apart for. Now, that could be one big mission or one big task. There's probably going to be lots of ones along the way. They might, things that might last a day or a season. Some might last a lifetime. But, but God's got stuff prepared in advance for you. And he's going to call you to, again, some big things but lots of small things. And I'm not just saying this, we see this throughout the Bible, and we see this in Ephesians again. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, we see an aspect of this, and where Paul writes, For we are his creation, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared ahead of time, so that we should walk in them. That God's prepared ahead of time stuff for, for us to do. So you, you have your have your eyes open. Have your ears open. God is going to be tapping you on the shoulder, and he's going to be calling you to do this, or he's going to be calling you to do that. And so in this passage of Jeremiah, we see five comments about what to do or how to respond when God calls. Five comments. The first comment, when God calls, don't say, I can't. When God calls, don't say, I can't. Like we already said, when we look at ourselves, we can probably come up with reasons why now is not the right time. We can come up with why we are not the right person, whether because of sin or our age or not ready or not feeling able. Many, many, many people felt this way when God's called their name. If God calls you, you can. If God calls you, you can. If God calls you, and ask you to do something, no matter how you feel, you can. You definitely can. I'm not saying it's going to be easy or not without pain. Jeremiah has a really rough run. He has a really painful rough run. But he can. He can do what God's called him to do, and so can you. When God calls, number two, when God calls, go. Go. Just as God said to Jeremiah, he says, all of us, go to everyone I send you to. Jesus says, go, make disciples of all, of all nations. There's a general calling that all the believers in Jesus have, this calling to go, but there's also some specific things, like, like me, right? Go to Scotland. Like Isaiah, 
Go to a people who won't listen. Like Jonah, go to your most evil and hated enemy. Specific things. Specific things. When you don't have a specific, you do the general. But, but all of our lives, we, we live under that calling of God to go, to live as sent ones, sent by God. And, and similar, the, the next one, not, not when God calls go, but when God calls speak. When God calls speak. To Jeremiah, God says, speak whatever I tell you. And again, we've been given a general message to proclaim. We've been given a, an announcement. We've been given this announcement that Jesus is real. That Jesus is real. Jesus is alive. Jesus is alive, and there's no other name given to humanity by, by which we can be saved than, than the name of Jesus. That there's hope for your life in Jesus. That there's forgiveness for everything in your life in Jesus. That, that there's gr a grace-filled future for your life in Jesus. That there's peace available to you from God and between you and God in Jesus. Our message that we get to be sent out with is you need Jesus. You need Jesus. God loves you and he's given you a wide open door to heaven because of Jesus. Believe in Jesus. Be forgiven. Be saved. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. That's our message. That's, that's, that's our general message, but, but, but we also get often specific messages. And you feel it in, in, in that nudge in your spirit. Go tell that person that God loves them. Go encourage that person that God's paying attention. He's paying attention. He sees them in their pain. He sees them in their darkness. He sees them in their struggle. He sees, tell them that there's hope for their future. Tell them that God's paying attention. Tell them that they're not alone. Sometimes we have a specific message, and God is filled the Bible with words. He's filled the Bible with words to speak, but very often through the Spirit, He'll put specific words on your heart, specific encouragements on your heart to speak to people. When God calls, speak. Fourthly, when, when God calls, don't be afraid. He says, don't be afraid of anyone. When God calls, don't be afraid. Now, all through the Bible, God's people get this repeated command to not be afraid. Fear seems to mess up so many good things. Fear messes up so many good things. The, the great mistakes through the Bible often hinge on someone being too afraid. So we're commanded, be strong and very courageous. Why? Because God's with us. How, how do we live that way? We're constantly encouraged to, to not give way to fear. We're constantly encouraged to, to be bold with our faith, to be bold with our testimony, and it's hard to live this way. That's why many, most people don't. Again, it's why I think the Bible talks so much about it. Don't be afraid. Be convinced. Don't be afraid. Be convinced that God's with you. Don't be afraid. Be convinced that God will help you. Don't be afraid. And fifthly, when God calls, He will be with you. He will be with you, and it says... I will be with you to deliver you or help you to intervene in your life. Guys, I will be with you. Again, back to what I said before. God has chosen you. He has set you apart. And he's appointed you to work with him, not alone, on your own, without his help, for him. 
He has chosen you to work with him. Not only is he going to be with you, but he's going to help you. He's going to deliver you. He's going to rescue you. And, and Paul writes this in, in uh, Romans, one of an often misquoted, misapplied, optimistically applied verses, probably one of the most optimistically applied verses in the Bible. Um, I don't know if that's fair, but I, maybe. Uh, in Romans 8, which says, We know that all things work together for the good of those who love God. Those who are called according to his purpose. Now, not all things work together for good. But they do if, A, you love God, and B, you are called by God to be about his purposes. And you're about that. You're about when you're about the things that God's called you to be about. If you're doing what you've been set apart to do, appointed to do, if you're doing the works that God has prepared in advance for you to be doing. You know, I don't, I don't know your story. I don't know all your stories. I, I, I do know this, though. If you've given your life to Jesus, I know that these incredible words from the book of Jeremiah are not just for Jeremiah, but they are so true for, for you as they are for me. God says to all of us today, I chose you. I chose you before I formed you in the womb. I set you apart before you were born. I appointed you. I appointed you. So now go out and live like it. Live as if those words, those true words are true. Go, go out and live with it. Live with that secure joy, knowing that you've been chosen. Go out and live with that confidence, knowing that God is with you and will help you. And know who you are. Know who you are. And go out and do what God's called you to do and make an eternal difference in people's lives. The kind of, a di the kind of difference that lasts forever. I've got three challenges Three challenges for us today. Challenge number one, what small things do you think God's been asking you to do? Like speak to this person about Jesus or make this change or whatever. Is there any small directives that you feel like Jesus has been directing you on? Se secondly, if you're able, try and write down in a single sentence what you currently believe God has made you to do for him. Now, you might be wrong. That's fine. I've been wrong before, I know, shock of shocks. But give it a go. Try and write down in a single sentence what you currently believe God has made you to do for him. And then third, seek more clarity. Father, clarify what you're specifically wanting me to do these days and with my life for you. 